Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Listen to this song. It's like a Porsche. Bare minimum of things. A couple of guitars, drums. Oh, this is everything I loved when I was a kid. Because you could get out and play it, Johnny. Johnny Lee, what song we got? It's Good Golly Miss Molly. In London, England, Albert Hall. Credence Clearwater Revival. But I was just saying, this is stuff that made me nuts when I was in uh, in middle school and high school because I was like, I can play that. And my friend Dickie Moe, he could play the drums, and Ray, he could play the other guitar. We didn't have a bass player, but we could we could fake this. Right, yeah. Listen, it's all drums, <laughs> and all I had to do was sing it, and it worked, and it worked, and then it stopped working. But it worked it when worked. we were young. Yeah, hey. the standards were lower, as they are for this show. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Uh, Johnny Lieberman is back from uh, Goodwood. Uh, got off a plane yesterday. No, no, no. A week ago. A week ago. A week ago? Monday. What's today? Saturday? Well, I noticed right away you had a cold, and now we've uh, we've given him a COVID test <laughs> while he was lighting his cigar. The greatest host in the world. You show up to his house, and you get handed a COVID test. I'm like, you're sick. <laughs> and by the way, we're outside. We're on my back porch at my house. I, I don't care about what happens out here, but in the house, I was like... I. I don't want to lose this bet to Zuckerman. <laughs> That's true. I know I should have higher health concerns. No, no, no. I, I'm with you. You never want to lose a bet, especially to him, because you, you'll never hear the end of it. And I don't want to get, I, I don't, I'm fine getting sick after December 1st, but I, I want to prove him wrong that I can evade this, this Omicron, this, this COVID. I'm a super dodger as of right now. And I just got the new uh, booster. I just got it. Yeah. I got it two weeks ago. I had no side effects whatsoever. My arm hurt for 10 minutes. I had, uh, as they say, uh, I got the flu the same day, I think, or the day before. That's why God gave you two arms, one for each arm. Uh, Nothing, no, (laughs) nothing. And now I feel uh, invulnerable. Invincible. Invincible. 
I Take went on the world. I went to the grocery store today without my mask. Uh, I just I can't didn't believe care. That went with, to the gym, didn't care. With the two teenagers that you haven't got it. That's that's the shocking part. Well, I have one teenager and one kid. Well, twelve. Twelve's a teen. I mean, they lick each other. You know, like they're. No, they were, but they uh, they both got it. I think they both got it at summer camp. No, Jack got it when he came back. He came back and he's like yeah, high school. You know, they they right. they stripped away all the health measures, and of course, right away everybody gets sick, and you know he's going to the gym. But now, three out of the four of us here—that's crazy that you haven't got. You might just be one of the people that don't get it, which was your initial point. My initial point was perhaps there's something genetic. Yeah, I think that's not going to be the case. Uh, wait, well, my sister has it currently right now in London. Um, my, everybody in my family's had it except for my brother, I learned. Last week, Wally, who's the cue card guy at Seth Meyers' yeah, Saturday Night yeah. Live, tons of exposure. He he hasn't had it either. So, so now, thinking, wait, wait. Now there's another, there's a side bet. <laughs> there's a point of pride. <laughs> oh, you and Wally. Wally and I now have a second uh, bet. Okay. But, um, you know, I always, whenever these dumb Super Dodger uh, articles come up, you saw that I sent one to Zuckerman. I put it on Instagram, and he wrote back, "Yours, you're a super maggot." <laughs> that was his response. But I, there was an interesting theory that one in ten people have this genetic mutation. Yeah, you got it, <laughs> but it's not mutant. the one you think. That's what Zuckerman you're said. You're a mutant. Yeah, you're a mutant. Filthy mutant. Feces mutant. But it said if you had that combined with a previous infection now this is the thing that i think i had there was there was uh it, it would have to be a coronavirus of some kind and uh back in new york way back in the day one one winter <laughs> i got something so nasty i thought i was going to die and now i'm yeah. wondering maybe that wasn't the flu what if that was and what if i have right. t cell memory some other garbage yeah. i don't know covid 96 there's no explanation cuz yeah. i've been exposed over and over again. Most recently, the long car ride down to Newport Beach with my son right next to me, shedding like crazy. And well, uh, they were saying that I they, didn't get it. They think the key to like uh, I don't know a better vaccine or a cure or whatever, or for just for curing all kinds of coronaviruses will be the people that just never got it. They're going to look at them, and there's something like what you're saying. There's something about them that's different. That's the key to. Beating this kind of it's thing. entirely possible that I had an asymptomatic, uh, uh, sure, you know, sure, yeah, and then didn't notice for a week, but I, but I don't know, I'm tested pretty regularly and have been consistently since the beginning, yeah, paranoid, so I, I don't know that that's it, but I don't know, yeah, but I, but uh, I'm sure I'm just like everyone but else, but if you, and I'm sure you, you at don't some point. drink or anything, because like I, I think it's like I know when I got it, we put ourselves in a situation where we were yeah. like pounding whiskey in a house in Kentucky. Well, yeah. And we that all was, knew you were going to get it. Uh, Yeah, well. Like I said, my wife goes, I'm going to a wedding in Arizona. Are you coming? And I said, no, I don't want COVID. Right. And everybody got COVID. Right, right, right. It's always the word <laughs> wedding. You always hear wedding or bar. <laughs> right. Or family vacation in a house together. Right? right. So those things I do avoid. Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think. I've been, I think I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to concerts. Yeah. I have been on an airplane, and I would, but I just haven't been on one. I've done a yet. ton of flying, a yeah. ton of flying. And uh, oh. but they say and really, they, once I win this bet, once I win this bet, then then I might open you're myself flying up. to a wedding. I will go to the gym. I'm in a I'm in a gym where where there's an upstairs, and I can tell the air's not moving there, and it's a little hot up there. And uh, you know, I try to limit that, but um, 
and I'm still working under a COVID umbrella. I got to get checked every week and nobody wants me to get it. So, yeah, but here I am. Anyway, yeah. how are you guys? Welcome. So you were, uh, Goodwood. You were just up in Goodwood. I was. Wait, wait, by the way, Beth Peretta, Peretta Autosport, the only woman owned, uh, woman driven, woman forward team in Indy car racing is on the show in a little bit. Did an interview with her. She's an impressive human being, that one. You're, uh, you were in Goodwood. Goodwood Revival. Goodwood Revival. And I slipped 50 of the the fancy proper Zuckerman stickers to Frankiti uh, Marino. And well, start- why don't you first tell everybody what the Goodwood Revival is? Yeah, so the Revival is like, it's cosplay. So you dress up like it's the 40s, 50s, or 60s. Right. And there is like there is a cutoff year. It's like 72 or something like that, 68, whatever it is. It's in England, London? It's or- in Goodwood, so it's, it's like an hour and a half south of London. Okay. It's the Duke of Richmond's property, Goodwood. Used to be Godwood. Uh, of course. Yeah. Swiggins. Welcome. I knew him when he was LM, when he was only Lord March. Who is the Duke of Richmond? Well, <clears throat> he's the uh, 13th, I believe, Duke of Richmond. Yes. So his the original Duke of Richmond was like the bastard of King So-and-So. Mm-hmm. And they set him up in the Godswood. Right. Which became Goodwood. I see. And yeah, it's just this, uh, I don't know, you know, he's 19th in line to the throne or whatever. So he has a title. He's the Duke. I, but, but I knew him, Charles, his name's Charles, but I knew him when, I met him when he was uh, Lord March, LM. I see. And now his son, Charlie. Now, was the queen alive or dead when this was going on? Very much dead. And they almost canceled it. And they did, really? There was a they constant- take it seriously, huh? Extremely so. And there was a constant thread of a moment of silence breaking out at any, any second. There's, they moment had a the queen. giant cannon, like, a, like off of a naval ship. Yep. Uh, and it would boom- and like when that happened, you had to stand there for like 60 seconds. Right. And do a 60 second moment of silence. Like the whole, you know, imagine it's like a drunk fest, right? Everyone's. What like, is the American equivalent, you think? Betty White dying? Nothing. No, for us? Nothing. Is what the Queen is dying for them? Not, we have nothing like that. We have no. It, it would be like if we had like a deity die. And, and remember, too, she what was Queen mean? for 70 years. Right. I, we're just not monarchists, you know, like we, 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 well, the whole country is founded on not that idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> so like, we don't, we don't, we don't have a parallel. It doesn't make any sense to us. Really. Well, Betty White is the closest. I mean, a beloved uh, older woman who we all considered a grandma that nah, we liked and loved. Like that. And, no, cause we, we didn't know. If you happen to like the Golden Girls, you knew who Betty White was. But this is the Queen's on. Would it money. be wrong of me to say that I prefer Betty White over no, Queen Elizabeth? I, no, but like the Queen's not on your money. You don't, you know, you don't say "God save the Queen" every time you go to school well, or whatever. I don't care about who's on my money. That doesn't give I, me an emotional just attachment. No, yeah, it, they're very reverential. In fact, so before I was at Goodwood, I was yeah. in uh, Spain on the uh, Range Rover Sport launch. And they are a royal warrant, so that means that they deal directly with the royal family. Sure, and the, queen, lo- the royal family has done a lot for that brand, and they've done a lot for the royal family, as they pointed out. But, but she like, drove a series two ways. Yeah, friend. see, now I'm starting to like her. You're reminding me. We both <laughs> share an affinity for the series two way, and for getting muddy and crazy boots and hunting so, peasant. They, um, oh, that's the alarm. Oh, let's check okay. and see if you have COVID. Negative, bro. Oh, you're negative. Yeah, don't flick it at me. Take it away. (laughs) Get get, get it away. Congratulations. I'm going to make you eat it. I forgot about Ah. the COVID test. (laughs) By the way, I wasn't making you get it. I was just curious. Oh, yeah. I I, I love when someone's positive. And don't you feel better now knowing that you don't have it? I I just know. So what do you think you had? I just flu or a fever. I I woke up on the airplane. Yeah, I got on the plane. 
watched the movie, fell asleep, woke up. I'm like, God damn it, I have COVID. You know, I was like, oh, I'm sick. No, there's flu everywhere. And then I got home, took a test, negative, took another test, 24 hours later. All right, let's get back to Goodwood. Range Rover Sports. Yeah, yeah, let's talk every, about Goodwood and cars. Everywhere you went for this Range Rover event, they had a big thing, a picture of the Queen, portrait of the Queen, I should say, with right. like a, an official statement from Jaguar Land Rover about, you know, what it means to be a royal warrant holder. And they were like, please don't post anything to social media that would be disrespectful. So if like, you know, you're, you're out drinking in Madrid with us, don't post that. Um, they canceled their trip to Goodwood. So there's actually people on my trip for uh, Range Rover that were going to Goodwood and they were going to be hosted by uh, Land Rover and they canceled on them. So they still had a ticket, but there's no hospitality or anything. So they took it very seriously. Wow. Wow. Man, it was, yeah, there's a bunch of old cars and they race. They race like crazy. They, they, they drive the wheels off these things. And and most importantly, we got Zuckerman stickers on the back of a lot of drivers' helmets, including I think both Frankies, Jimmy Johnson. Um so yeah, it was it was very good. And, then, and what does that mean, stickers on their helmet? Like it's a driving event? Yeah, yeah, it's a race. It's a it's, race. It's it's just old races. So like uh Marino and uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson, for instance, they were in this, it's called the TT race. So it's like Cobras, E-types, those sort of things. And it's like, it's like the big race. It's like an hour long race, driver change. And um, yeah, it was cool. And and at one point until the the, uh, officials kind of fucked it up, uh, 66% of the podium uh, had a Zuckerman sticker. Wow. And then they, they gave Marino's team a penalty. So they got moved from second to fourth and he's, He's a little pissed. Scott Dixon finished third in the IndyCar season. Yeah, with um, Zuckerman. He's, Scott Dixon was racing at Goodwood. Yeah, and he said, uh, I would have been dead last if it weren't for the Zuckerman face sticker. He gave full credit. <laughs> That's right. I thought it was pretty cool that he yeah. would say that. Yeah. yeah. I want to tell you about the folks from Gerber Life. Did you know that Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance provides valuable whole life insurance protection to help you cover your final expenses? It's true, and it can help with expenses such as medical bills, burial costs, and unpaid debts. It helps protect your family from the financial burden of your final expenses. If you're between 50 and 80 or 50 and 75 in New York, your coverage is guaranteed with this policy. Regardless of your health history, there are no medical exams to complete or lengthy health questionnaires to fill out. Simply visit GerberLifeFamily.com and premiums don't increase over time. The amount you pay when coverage begins is the same amount you'll pay throughout the duration of your policy. Just answer four easy questions to get your free personalized quote instantly by visiting GerberLifeFamily.com GerberLifeFamily.com See website for terms and restrictions. The new Land Rover launch. Range Rover, Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport, yeah. which is uh, generally the Land Rover that I buy and uh, or lease the most. Yeah, I've, would, I've owned those the most. I would say- this, What do you think? It's phenomenal. This one, this one's really good. What makes it so great? <clears throat> um, I think for the first time, it's better looking than the Range Rover. I always thought that the Range Rover Sports were kind of like a- just a chiseled away kind of, I don't know, just cheap looking version of the Range Rover. Really? I, 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 my I opinion. I thought they looked a little better and were a little easier to drive by yourself, you know, because they weren't it, so it's big. It's still smaller. Uh, I, I just think this new design is a knockout for the wow. first time, just like better looking than the Velar, which I thought was like the mm-hmm. high watermark for SUVs. 
I think this new one, especially the um, the V8, has like a blackout package. So like the word Range Rover on the back is blacked out on on black trim, so it's real sinister looking. Um, what does the base model six have horsepower wise? Oh, four. It's the same engine as your Defender. So oh yeah, three ninety five. Yeah, there's, nice. there is a lower one. There's mm-hmm. like a there's like a I hit their numbers. There's a there's a P three sixty and a P four hundred. So the P four hundred is the same as your Defender. And the P three sixty is uh, like a, you know a few less horsepower. It's like right. three sixty instead of three ninety five or whatever. But the V eight is awesome. The plug in hybrid uh, is pretty good. Um, th- there's a really good that, version of the plug in hybrid that we're not getting sadly. But but what is a plug in hybrid like? Fifteen miles electric. Fifty five zero miles electric. Fifty five zero. And they think actually they're going for fifty one. EPA hasn't rated that's, it yet. That's not bad. No, not bad at all. That's usable around town. Super usable. If it's in a if it's a real fifty. And they're going through the thing that the Germans are going through, where the EPA is going to say fifty, uh, but the users will customers will get sixty seventy. Um, that's totally usable. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, and, and then it's and then it's the you know the same engine, the the right, same engine right. we have in the Defender. So there is a better version called the P five ten, which we're not getting stupidly. Which is I drove that, and that's really good. But um, yeah, no, it's great. It's it's killer. It drives great. Looks awesome. We took it off road like on twenty threes in mud. It was doing great off road. It's ridiculously. Where was it again? It was in we were in Madrid outside in Madrid. Madrid. Yeah, and so where do you go off road there? <laughs> we went to a uh, a very uh, uh, fancy uh, private cattle ranch, and uh, there was literally cows like standing next to us as we're going down these obstacles and stuff. And they they had built an off road course, and it was it was for real. And it was every other wave had done it in the dry because it's super. Mm-hmm. In Spain's like California, it's just no rain. And then of course the day we get there, it rained, so we were in the mud. And it was like super good in the mud, which I was really impressed because it's on, you know, 23 inch road tires. Right. And it's just doing it. It's just totally doing it. So it's wow. it's great. It's great. I, I was very impressed by it. I love the Land Rover products. Yeah. And, I, you know, I drove the new Range Rover, which I think is, is very good. But I think this is it, this is like they had the platform. They had another 12 months to get it right. Right. And and it weighs 500 pounds or 600 pounds less than the Range Rover. And it's yep. the same engine. So it's just everything you want. It you know the back seat is smaller. Uh, it's a it's a shorter, smaller vehicle, but mm-hmm. it's it's fine. You know, yeah, size wise. So yeah, I was I was impressed, and the technology seems really good. You know, it's got all the new screens and everything. So I, I really you're kind of selling me on one, right? Oh, it, you should see it though. It's so beautiful. I'll show you some pictures. You know, I'm doing a lot of uh, sunset runs just between Brentwood and the Palisades, and there's a lot of turns there, and uh, the Defender, it's not a car you really want to turn a lot. It's really funny. You know, it's just where the kids go to school and what they're doing. You end up doing a lot of those types of driving. And then your driving kind of changes and your needs change. And uh, as much as I love my Defender, I'm starting to think about something that's a little more low down that can take those turns a little better. Because I feel like I'm doing three or four runs a day back and forth. So the other thing, and this is some of the, my fellow journalists didn't like this, but... It doesn't have Range Rover style steering. It's much. It's much heftier steering feel. So, like to get it off center, it takes a little bit more effort. But mm-hmm. I read that as sportier. Some real traditionalists were like, "Oh, it lost the Range Rover feel." I'm like, "Good. It feels like a like almost like a sports SUV for once." So, 
Well, nothing I've driven new from Land Rover feels like the Series Two A. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! But you know how Range Rovers it, it, it's 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 they've a, always felt like a loosey goosey steering experience. Yeah, no, they super light steering, and this is doesn't different. feel like a Land Rover. Yeah, yeah, and this is different. Well, that might be this better. Is, I, I think it is. I, I really do. My Series Two A has been in the shop now for about a month uh, with this new guy, uh, who I can't wait. Can't wait. He's sending me videos of what we're doing to it. It's really exciting. Uh, hilarious things wrong with it. You know, it, uh, <laughs> as I've mentioned many times before, I've been working on this movie and it's been taking up a lot of time. And I don't think I was down at my hangar at Santa Monica Airport for months, months at a time and went down there and went, oh, yeah, I have this old letter over series here. I used to drive it every couple of weeks, believe yeah. it or not. And no, I've, I've followed I liked it before, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll take this out. And then I thought, well, why don't I dump some money into this and make this experience a little better? Because I, I drove it and I said, I, I think I'm going to sell it and try to get something that feels a little better. And I didn't want to give up on it. So I sent it down to this new guy and I, and right away he had Jensen Button's truck down there and there were a bunch of people I knew who had trucks and then when I'm home right. and he was taught this guy by or at least knew the mechanic who used to work on on this old Pete in Venice who uh, was David Letterman's guy back in the day who just knew these things upside down and he started sending me videos he said we got to fix the steering we got to fix the brakes uh, you, you, the overdrive gears grinding uh, a million make it drive better uh, first thing he sent was, uh, he goes, I want to put a, a, redo the radiator core. And I'm like, why? And he's showing me the holes in the radiator. And then he took <laughs> off the top. There was no water or coolant in it at all. <laughs> he goes, you driving it like this? I go, yeah. <laughs> it was empty. Right. Then I said, the steering, no one has been able to figure out the steering. I know it's complicated. There are lots of joints and things. He goes, uh, he goes, check this out. The whole steering assembly and was somehow connected to the body was loose. Right. So as you turned it, it was separating from the body. Uh, so, so it's just like a, a twisting pipe hanging in the air. No, it's just yeah. one of these things like you got to go around and tighten everything up because it vibrates so much. The you know the overdrive gear had no oil in it because of course it just leaks itself out. But I think the gear was bad. He's doing all of this stuff. That's great. And he says you're gonna, and I go, and then I then I need it. I go, let's start up some of these other series trucks. And he started one that just went, just started right up perfectly. I go, you gotta make it do like that. that. Yeah, you can't do that. Just tell me, and you can buy that. You can have the truck, and we'll. we'll he goes, I can do it. So nice. uh, that's next week. I think that thing comes back. I got a text yesterday. My 914. The guy oh, texted me. I forget about that. Me too. <laughs> the guy texted me. He goes, hey. He goes, I'm sorry. COVID's been a nightmare. I'm going to finish your car soon. And I said, just send me a check. I said, good. Wow. Yeah. No, he, he has checks. He has many, many checks. That's good. That's exciting. That's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what else is good? Athletic Greens. You know. The office at Netflix is full of athletic greens to keep us going, to help us make comedy for you. I love athletic greens. What is it? One delicious scoop of athletic greens. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help start your day right. Maybe this is why I haven't had COVID. Talk about a really dangerous claim. No, it's not. But it's great. 
keeps you healthy. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy re- recovery, focus, and aging, all those things, including having a cigar before you play tennis. <laughs> I'm going from here to play tennis. That's right. And you feel a cigar on the court. Halfway through, your, your chest gets tight, or mine does. It's just too hot today. But I'm going to put some athletic greens in my body before I do. That's why I use it. Just uh, here. Hold on one second here. I love tennis when it's hot. I don't know why. I just, I love it more when it's really difficult. Athletic Greens, uh, lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial, anything, while it's still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day, but you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes, Reggie Watts and Spike Ferriston. <laughs> Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially headed into the flu and cold season. Johnny didn't take it. That's why he has the flu. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pill supplements. Look out. Athletic Green is going to give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash spike911 athleticgreens.com slash spike 911 to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yeah, I drank too many athletic browns uh, at night in uh, in England. Well, alcohol does Yo. start to uh, hurt oh, yeah. you. It as was, much it as was, I it love was drinking it. It was, it was starting to hurt. Um, and it's very much part of my Irish her- heritage. I've been much happier without it. Playing tennis at 58. <laughs> Everything's falling apart. That's great. My backhand. This is. I, I threatened to turn this into a tennis podcast, and my family just went, "Don't do that." <laughs> we, we're tired of hearing. Nobody wants to hear about your tennis stories. But some people play tennis. Yeah. But I could. I would love to get into old guy tennis. My hatred for pickleball, and all of the interesting <laughs> injuries I'm suffering. And last night, what, what were, injuries are you getting? Because you're at the age. Not real injuries. The human body is fascinating. I am fascinated by it because the first two months of tennis, I couldn't get out of bed the next day because my feet hurt so much. And uh, Jerry said, you got to get some orthopedics. You need the orthopedics. And I said, I'm not doing it. And it went away on its own, you know, just from continuing to work out, sure. hitting the gym and continuing to do it. And then I was fine. Until maybe two months ago, the knee started aching, and the knee is very much part of tennis. And that, and then I had to go get that checked. Everything was fine. He said, just keep playing. Do you have a pre-existing knee? He said, your knees are perfect. Okay. It was, it's, the body is adjusting to kind of a new sport, right? So sometimes that and weightlifting, you, you do something wrong. Sure. And, but the, th- the interesting thing is I don't stop. I've been playing more tennis Almost every night for the past 20 days. I'm playing, I played last night, playing tonight. I almost smashed my first racket last night. After oh, vowing, I would never be a Kyrgios type uh, racket smasher. Yeah, you're going to smash. You you look like a racket smasher. So. I'm not. I, no, I no it. but it, it's a, because I was angry at myself. Sure. I, 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 you know, as you start, and I've only been playing for a year, my forehand is turned on and it's a rocket and it's working and it's there. The backhand was working, disappeared last night, it evaporated and it sent me into a tailspin and then I couldn't hit it at all. Like, I mean, hitting yeah. it out of the, it was, yeah. it was weird. Yeah. And, uh, 
and I almost walked away. So I'm going to go tonight. I'm going to go back with the teacher and I'm going to do just backhands and see. But uh, this may be the last night. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not interested in doing something that makes me upset, but we'll see. So, right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I, play, I used to play tennis when I was a kid. My dad loved tennis. We'd play all the lucky. time. You're lucky. Yeah, I, I just, it's one of the, I used to do, you know, there's, I used to be a great bowler. I haven't bowled in years. You, you know? know what's interesting about all sports is they, you learn these things when you're a kid and then when you uh, uh, reconnect uh, uh, with it, yeah. the teachers tell you everything you learned as a kid, throw it away. Yeah, it course. was all wrong. Yeah, now yeah, you've yeah. got to do it this way. And right. then you just start to wonder, you know. Well, if, if you're learning it right now in 10 years, am I doing that wrong? Yeah, it's also funny, like, you know, stuff I did, like, I was good at football. I was great at, like, tackling, which is something, as an adult, you just, like, forget about it. It's gone. Do you think you have CTE? Because that would explain Yeah, that. I definitely have traumatic brain. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Definitely. <laughs> I'm channeling Zuckerman. Yeah, He's yeah, not here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your brain dead. That explains, that explains a lot. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> Um, but you know, so like the only thing that I did as a kid that I still do is like work out hmm. and, uh, and that, you know, that's good. And I, I have a way of doing it where I don't get injured and that, that's, that works out pretty well. You know, Lufka cult is in a couple weeks. Uh, and I do I've, know. I've been talking to Patrick Long, uh, uh, formal talks about doing another live show. You know, our live show up in Pebble Beach was, uh, uh, was fun for us. And, uh, the, the folks who run the Pebble Beach Concours were, Beyond thrilled with what happened there. I believe we were the only, I think we were the most exciting group. <laughs> I, I think there weren't a lot of selfies. You could say that. There weren't a lot of selfies with some of the other panels, but you know, we, we had a nice show. You were up there. Matt Farrow was up there. Zuckerman was up there. Jerry was on FaceTime. And, you know, not surprisingly, we've been getting a lot of calls to do more shows uh, around the world, hey. as, as hey. a matter of fact. And I'm thinking about Suck him in on tour. saying yes to that. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was chatting with Patrick Long about his plans for Luca Cult, I said, you know, uh, would you like us to come by there? Because we had fun doing it. It seems like the, the our Porsche folks, our audience is mostly a Porsche audience. And he said, yeah, the, you know, they we'd be thrilled. So we're... You know, we're trying to figure out. I said, I said, you've got. He puts on such a great show, and and I said, look, if you're if you have a concept this year and a thing going on, I don't want to interfere with that. I don't want to just squeeze my way in. I, I don't need. I don't want to ruin it. I want to. And, and I they don't go to need the us, frankly. And they, and they such don't. A great show. Yeah, they don't yeah. need us in any way, but. You know, I suspected they'd be excited about it, and they were. So, you know, we're we're now trying to figure out how, you know, here about a week and a half away, <laughs> how we're going to do it. I said, if you if we have a little bit of a stage and a place for folks to kind of cuddle up to us, and uh, you know, for an hour, we'll talk. I don't know if Jerry will be there, but uh, he might. Um, you'll be there. I'll be there. Zuckerman would be there. I haven't heard back from Maddie yet. I don't know where he is. He's in Germany. Oh, he is. Yeah. Okay. So, he might be on a plane right now. Yeah. He so was, maybe he'll he'll be there too. I think it could be fun. I think it could be a ni- a nice fun thing to do to connect. Cause I I loved it, and uh, I really want to. I like bringing the audience in on the show, and I've got some new ways of doing that. You know, more so than just the question and answer. I really I've got some ideas, and if we're there, uh, I suggest you come come to the show. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've figured out a way to how to make them a little more interactive in fun in a fun way that I think could work, or maybe not. But we'll find out. 
Like Zuckerman just randomly just, you know, you, you win a prize and he just insults you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, there may be a few of these things. We may even travel the show. We'll see. Ooh, we'll see. I it's like good. That. It's exciting. I like traveling. I like shows. Yeah. That's good. It could be fun. What else? Um, you know, a bit of tragedy up on Angeles Crest. Yeah. Sunny. hear about that. Kid. Now, now yeah. you know, I've been saying this for years, that this is the most dangerous road in America and I don't go up there anymore. Because every time I do, I see death and destruction. And what, two weeks ago, we lost one of our uh, Porsche friends up there. No one I knew, by the way. I'm, I'm I knew him not- a little bit. Um, this, the real tragedy was his 19-year-old son was in the yeah. car. And uh, yeah, Sonny, he had a 997.1 GT3. And he, it's funny because he's one of those guys that like he would drive. He lives. He lived at the bottom, and he would drive that road three times a week. And he was a hell of a driver. And um, what happened? Yeah, we don't know exactly. It seems like he went off the road. Yeah. Um, seems like what happened was in a in one of the faster straight sections. It comes up on a pretty good right hander. And based on a fireman I was talking to. He was saying it to him, looking at the tire marks and where the CHP put their their spray paint down. The car started going sideways, and it might have looped around backwards and launched, and then it inverted in the air and landed on a roof, and just completely pancaked it. And then had enough momentum that it flipped back on its tires. And I was talking to my friend Aaron, and he was like first on the scene. And he said they ran up and they could see the kid first and they, they got the door open and were shaking him and they're like, they realized he wasn't alive. And then oh, that's they sad. saw the dad and that was pretty obvious he was dead. So, but again, this does is a guy that you know, does it every, like three times a week. I know. But, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But why? Why are we? It's, it's fun. What do you, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I understand you guys up there, you're journalists, you're up there, you know how to drive. You mostly have racing licenses. And, right? and this guy, I've seen <clears> him drive. He knows how to drive, you know, for sure. Knows how to, he's a very good, very experienced driver. He's had that car for a long time. Um, it's, you know, it's just, it, it, it's funny you said that because I was driving up thinking about it because I, I went a little easier this week on the way up. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's where that that guy died, and then oh, that's where my friend crashed, and that's where I saw that rollover, and that's where I saw the other rollover. And well, I mean, yeah, trail I mean, of action. yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I I understand you guys going up there because you guys know how to wheel and you know how to drive. It's what you do for a living, and you are accepting risk. But you know, listeners, Angelus Crest, if especially from this podcast, take it easy. Mm. you've got nothing to prove when you go up to those roads and really take it from me it's they're not racetrack roads they're sandy there's gravel there's weather there's no phone and and people die up there and you have to be careful and and i don't want anyone on this podcast to be thinking that i'm promoting that and i'm promoting that kind of driving i'm not you know, yeah, he, I don't uh, like that you you're up there doing it, Johnny. Yeah, I mean that's my job. But he, you know, he he was a fast driver. He was in a GT3 and he he drove it hard. Yeah, but he's driving like he, yeah, know, I, he's I, driving like he's on a racetrack, and it it's look, I, yeah, I, I it know. really affected me. I was really upset about it when I heard, and you know, obviously, if you have kids, you think about that. We also had an accident out Santa Monica Airport where one of our uh, flight teachers crashed and two people died and there was a student in that plane right in the same week so it that really that really threw me and i've been up 
look, I've been up to Angeles Crest with my boys and driven, but, you know, I, with a measure of caution, I, I would never push a car to its limits with yeah. someone else in it yeah, ever I, on that place I, because it is not a racetrack. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, I also would like to point out that, like, I, I don't think people are at their limits because, you know, the, you know, the, everyone stays in their lane. There's no, you're not using the whole road type thing. Maybe. So, I, I don't know. You know, but it, it, it just looks like this thing, something happened when he was braking and it spun in the lane. It's, so. it's because the road is dangerous. Yeah, I mean it's it, dangerous. It, Look, one of my agents crashed in a in a Cadillac press car. Went right off the side. Had to crawl up off the, <laughs> his phone. Didn't work, and you know had to be picked up by a helicopter. It's every sure. time I'm there. Maddie and I were shooting that video years ago with the GT3 Touring, and uh, I forget what other car he had. And as we're driving back, there's just a guy smushed, a guy who jumped off a bridge. It's always just depressing up there. <laughs> I'm just looking down, like, hey, what are you looking at? There are two people looking at the bridge. They pointed down. There's this poor guy all smashed on the bottom. He, and they were in shock. The guy just walked up, stood up on the rail, and just jumped down to his death. You know, I, I've had it with that place. I'm done. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I definitely get it. I just, again, like in America, we lose 35,000 humans a year to car accidents. Like it's not that like no one dies anywhere else. It's just that. No, but I think a lot of folks would agree that these are not racetracks. You're yeah. not supposed to be driving like that on these roads. Right. You're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. And maybe it's time to kind of throttle back you you know you you have a place where you're testing cars i think maybe that's the gray area of the law where i i think most people would look the other way but you know most people aren't doing that and yeah I, you know and i and i was saying this to matt and and i'm saying it to you too he's just you gotta you know there is a there is a certain amount of don't try this at home. We have to communicate like, hey, this sure. is not sure, sure, sure. We we make it sound glamorous and fun, but we're not we we're not encouraging you to drive that way, especially but, with someone yeah you know, oh, no, in your no, car no. with you. But but you know again like and this isn't the only story like this. That no, happened. I, I mean there's a dude who rolled his car in front of me if, like two months ago. Remember mm -hmm. I remember that Mustang. Yeah, we, um, Zuckerman and I know of someone else who went over with uh, a fiance. Yeah. And got all smashed up, you know. Yeah. Luckily, um, survived. But, but, you know, I just, I'm going to, uh, like, I even, like, I know how to even drive it much faster than I drive it. You know what I mean? Like, I know, I know how to race on roads. Right. Um, and I'm just, like, testing the car. I just basically go to, you hear the, you know, the, when the tire squeals, like, okay, that's the limit. Stay within the limit. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good place to do it because there's just not a lot of people up there. Yeah, and it was a solo car thing. But again, I just want to stress that like this was an especially experienced guy. You know what I mean? So it was. Uh, it was. I don't know. And, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I saw. I know exactly where it was. I stopped and talked to a cop that was there taking photos on uh, Thursday, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, we're just chucking it up to excess speed." But yeah, our condolences to the oh, family. Absolutely. Yeah. Sad, sad story. Yes. <clears throat> Before we go to Beth Peretta, let's talk about CollectingCars.com. Live for bids right now. 65 Ford Mustang Fastback GT350 Tribute. Well, the Mustang name may have been lost, uh, may have lost some of its appeal over the years, has it? Few would argue that the 1965 Fastback is a true American icon. I do love these cars. Shelby GT350 represents the pinnacle of the reign for many collectors. Look at that. I would get into a Mustang. That was the first car I wanted. 
before yeah. I knew anything about cars. And uh, much like Zuckerman rejoining the uh, the Jaguar family, <laughs> I would I am now drawn to them yet again. Huh. I feel like I know enough about the cars and know enough about what I would get, and I would actually bid on a car like that. Yeah, Shelby would be cool. I had a girlfriend. I just I, like them. I just like them because they were made right around the time I was made, 63, 64. There you I like, that's why I like the 911. I, I had a girlfriend with, with a 65, and it was just such a pile. So maybe the Shelby's really good. They they are. You have to tighten them up so they don't yeah. creak. But this one they, wasn't tightened up. <laughs> no. They also have a 2000 Jerry with like this 2003 Morgan Aero 8 Ooh. with 23,000 miles. Look at that I face. I like those. Yeah, the cross-eyed one. Yeah, I like those. Big, goofy, yeah. like a stuffed chipmunk front grill. How about that? That's not in the description. Morgan, a name that conjures up images of quaint countryside drives, tweed jackets, and a stuffed chipmunk acorn mouth. <laughs> This is a great car. Now live for bids on collecting cars. you got to check it out. Go to Collecting Cars if you're buying or you're selling. You want to kill some time right now, go to CollectingCars.com. They have so much cool stuff curated and thrown up there. Bid or sell. They are our biggest sponsor and fans. Yes. Love those guys. Well, not too long ago, in fact, about 60 minutes ago, Johnny, (laughs) I spoke to Beth Peretta. Yeah. Peretta. Autosport. Who is she? She runs the only woman-owned, woman-driven, and woman-forward team in IndyCar racing. She made history last year when they competed in the 105th running of the Indy 500 with a team made up, a majority of which were women. And uh, we chatted about it. Uh, she, you know, I bet you didn't know this about her. She, she started off life wanting to be a comedy writer. Uh, and was actually on a collision course with me at one point. Someone gave me, gave her my number, but oh, she funny. never called. I didn't know that because I know she has a broadcasting degree, and she, she actually did like a, a History Channel thing. That's right. Yeah. Well, we had a, we had a great chat, and here it is. Where are we catching you, Beth? I am in uh, outside of D.C. actually doing preseason planning for next year with uh-huh. my business manager that works on our team. Wow. And how did, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, forgive me, I don't follow Indy that closely other than uh, the Zuckerman sticker on Scott Dixon's head, which uh, brought him to third, (laughs) of course. Wow. I'm sure it's the talk of the IndyCar circuit. Um, How did you folks do this year? We did well. We wound up doing four races. So we announced three, hoping to do more. And so the goal was always to do four. And I'm happy to say that we were able to do four. So we did Road America mid-Ohio, Nashville, and Laguna Seca. So Laguna Seca was the, the one kind of in our back pocket, and that was the finale of the season, and we did it. And it was really it was really great. And the incremental growth, um, getting Simona back in the car, uh, she really did so well. It's amazing. She ha- she, you know, she'd been out of the series for like seven years, and you're dropping into a really competitive place. And if you looked at her lap times at Laguna Seca, plus also she hadn't been a Laguna Seca since 2009. Last time she was there was in Formula Atlantic, which so is like Indy Lights. Um, so the fact that like it, like she was her race pace um, was literally like the same as the people that were running top ten. Like she was probably like the same as like the person that was running P8. And like that to me is still like just amazing talent. It's cool. Wow. So we were psyched. So yeah. this is so you're now at the end of the season planning. 2023 what what goes into exactly. that what what is that about is that about sponsorship and money is it about you it's, know yeah 
And so it's funny that you say that because we're literally knee deep in, in this now. So yeah, the first thing is money, right? So it's raising the sponsorship dollars. And um, the great thing is we had uh, new sponsors this year from from last year. And the sponsors that we've we've gained this year want st- to stick with us and grow and, and do more. And then we have some others that are, are new that will hopefully be announced in the coming months. Um, so the difference between four races and like a full – so a full season is 17 races. Mm-hmm. And – um, to put it in perspective, I mean, basically, you're, we're raising sponsor money. Every race team is raising sponsor money for to cover the operating costs. So, any current season for one car, I mean, you're looking at around eight million dollars. Which, in the grand scheme of things, the reason why our our prices are a little, our costs are reduced compared to like Formula One. Formula One is expensive because all of the cars are unique. And so there's a development cost there. And then they're also going all around the world. So where we're only going around North America, that's okay, a little bit more cost effective. And then we all have the same um, chassis supplier, which is Delara. And then we have either two engine choices, Honda or uh, Chevy. So we're leasing the engine. So you get a, a, you know, a contract to lease the engines. And we buy the cars and you buy the chassis, you buy, you know, there's some little open categories, a little bit of room on what kind of shocks you run. We all run Firestone tires. So, you know, that that's mm-hmm. like, a, again, a fixed cost. So the cool thing with the fixed cost is it's easy for your budgeting. But why IndyCar fans love IndyCar is... It's not just like an arms race of how much money are you spending is going to make you go faster, really. Like you're st- we have such a small box to work within that it really comes down to like engineering prowess. Uh, it, you know, it's not just going out there and who's the fastest driver. It's the, ha, is the engineer is the engineering team setting up the car to be the fastest that day, and th- then there's strategy involved. And you know, so you're really um, you're really seeing like a competition among these teams. It's not just, you know, I mean, you see for years in other forms of racing where you just have a super dominant team because they've got the biggest wallet. And that doesn't happen as much in IndyCar, which is great because it makes it it makes the competition tighter. So, yeah, you always have some some teams that are strong. But part of the reason that they're strong is they've got, you know, really talented people that have been doing it for so long and, and whatever. But um the nice thing is uh, our budgets are pretty consistent. So that gives me like a good, I know what number I need to raise. Right. And right. so, yeah, right now I'm, I'm raising the money and you're sometimes racing as much as you can afford. Right. So it's like, I knew that I could do three to four races. I couldn't have raced five or six. I didn't, I didn't raise the money for that. I didn't, in fairness, I didn't plan to either. Like I, I raised enough for, to do four races and we did. So now I'm trying to raise enough to do, more than four races. Um, I'm not going to say the number yet because, of course, you don't want to like mm-hmm. call your shot and fall short. So, I would imagine <laughs> you know you and I were chatting at the Long Beach Grand Prix back in April, and I would imagine sponsors would just be jumping up and down for this opportunity. You know, you you threw out some stats about impressions, um, what yeah. other drivers were doing, and what this all female or mostly female team and crew, you know, what was that static in other, other, other teams were in the millions. You were in the billions. Billions. Yeah. Yeah. So last year, uh, when, between when we announced and ran the 500 and then a a couple months later, because you still want to capture like the post race, Mm -hmm. um, media kind of stuff that happens. We were at 6.8 billion, which for racing and certainly for IndyCar, but certainly racing in general and for just a team, and let alone a new team, um, 
you know, it's one thing if you've, you know, you've been a dominating team that, you know, is kind of, you know, down to the title chase, but this is literally, we ran one race last year. So granted, it's one of the biggest races in the world, but the story, what was, because our team is unique and we have this story to tell in this narrative, we were in People Magazine, you know, and wow. we were in, you know, we're trying to get, and, and in fact, like I, you know, talked to somebody, um, I've talked to people at like Marie Claire, you know, like a women's magazine. Yeah. Normally yeah. Cover it. So it's cool. So to your point, yeah. So well, we, you know, um, it, it, I would imagine yeah. those stories. I mean, every time they'd show a picture of you or a helmet or a car, they see those brands and that's the opportunity sponsors Absolutely. have. And with, you know, we were also talking about how, uh, Netflix was really succeeding with mm-hmm. the Formula One series, which I think just left right. and went to Disney Plus, and it, and yeah. and suddenly my wife was watching it and how they they right. they added storytelling to racing and and certainly you know I don't know that seems that like where all like the your money son was watching it because of it, him wanting to watch the racing yeah, and then but your wife kind of catches on as like wait there's people involved my yeah, son is right. a given that's he's anything you know, right. with motors but my wife that was an impossibility yeah. right right so. You know, uh, are you hearing now when you sit down with sponsors? Do they recognize that opportunity? Yes. And um, what's interesting, right? Because this is, you know, like anything, I basically started a small business. It was an idea. The nice thing in year two is people have heard of us. Right. Um, and if they haven't heard of us, they can at least then Google us when we, t- you know, and then right. find, oh, this is real and, and there's all this traction. But absolutely what happened this year, the deals that we closed last year, the ones that we closed this year, um, some of them were absolutely new to, to the racing space. And mm-hmm. so, because as I like to say too, like, I mean, if you wanted to be sponsoring a race car, you could have, you know, there's been racing for, how, you know, again, in, in racing for years, they could have been in it, but it might not have made sense for them. But this, this was the kind of the, the thing that closed the deal. Uh, we, like we have a software company, they're trying to hire more women, you know, so right. you know, do they want to put themselves on Scott Dixon's car? Yeah, it's going to get eyeballs, but they can tie this to a different story. So yeah, it is absolutely closing deals for us. In fact, one of our sponsors this year, they had been in talks for a, a different, um, they were looking at a, a rate, the racing space. They were talking, I work with an agency that helps me find these these companies. Like case in point, we have KiwiCo, which is a, an educational, it's a, it's a toy company, like it's right. an educational toys. We specifically reached out to them. Like they, that was one where we reached out to them because, hey, this is kind of right in our crosshairs. This would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. We presented it to their CMO at the time and immediately it was a very short conversation. It's like, oh yeah, I get it. We make toys that are like, we make toys that are, are race cars that kids can play with. Yes, this makes sense. But they would never have, in fairness, would they have reached out to us? Maybe because it just, you know, it, it, they had never thought of it before. We bring it to them. Okay, that was a short conversation. Interestingly, though, there is this this company that we, um, uh, Acumatica, who is a software company, um, they had been talking to another team in another racing series for a while. Like, I'm talking like seven, eight months. Because sometimes these conversations behind the scenes, I mean, they can go on for over a year. Of depending course. on Yes. Right? So, it can be tedious. Yep. Um, but for us, you know, I'm expecting that those conversations are long because I'm, we want to talk to somebody that is new to the space. Yeah. Right. And like, let's say a woman's brand, right. That would never have considered it. So we're expecting that the people that we're talking to don't know what racing's about. Like, imagine if your wife was the CMO of whatever company, like you first start talking to her, like, okay, hear me out. And so they're like, you know, you kind of pique their interest, but it is, it's a longer conversation for them to build the trust and mm-hmm. say, yeah, yeah, this absolutely makes sense. And it aligns with what we're doing. 
So there was this, this, for instance, Acumatica had been talking, had been looking at something else in the racing space, and they just couldn't figure out the way to really make it make sense. And my agency folks were, you know, were working on this with them. And then basically, they kind of came to this impasse and kind of as a, like, not a Hail Mary, but sort of like, okay, well, you know, we also work with this team in IndyCar, it's mostly women. And literally, they, they perked up and they're like, wait, what? You know, like, tell <laughs> us more. They're like, yeah, we represent Peretta Autosport. It happened that one of the guys had heard of us. But in fairness, in that meeting, apparently, he didn't show his hand that he had heard of us. Um, I don't think he was necessarily the main decision maker of that right then, but but he did divulge to me later that when when my guys had mentioned it that he like totally because I think he he watches the 500 every year right. so he had heard you know it wasn't like this you know it wasn't an unknown so they said yeah here's this um, here's this team that we represent and you know trying to get more women more young also targeting young women and stem education for girls and you know non-traditional careers and all, and and they completely parked right up and they're like that we want that no joke my uh the agency that i work with gave them a proposal they turned it around i think within three hours and wow. signed an agreement wow. so the other conversation was like eight months long yeah it just and, and i mean that's that, that's like lightning in a bottle that's like hey this this fits into like another campaign that we're you know a, a, a strategy that we have so that was something that i always hoped would happen and it absolutely happened this year and hopefully that'll continue yeah because there's a different uh, there's a different uh, stage for you to win on the first is breaking yeah. through that barrier of an all-male sport and all-male teams yeah and getting right. into the league, which you've now done. Um, and then where it could go from there, right? What every team strives right. for are those wins and the attention you exactly. get from those wins. But it just feels, I, I it feels more, you know, I, I feel like we've seen every version of the male-dominated win <laughs> at yeah, this point. Yeah. And, 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 and this is a very, and, it's a very exciting new chapter in IndyCar that uh, could, uh, will most likely be that breath of fresh air I think that league needs, you know, because they absolutely. need something. And, and we're still racers. Like, at the end of the day, everybody that works on this team is at their core a racer, super competitive. Mm -hmm. And I know that, like, we're there's like a, you know, a, a short timeline here where we're not going to, we don't want to like overstay our welcome and we don't want to just be here because like it's everybody gets a, a medal and it's an honor to be nominated. Right. You know, the next step now is okay. Now we have to work on our incremental growth uh, and on the competitive side, because right. we do want to have top tens. We do want to have podiums. We do want to have wins. And, and I mean, this is completely successful when there's a championship, when there's an Indy 500, you know, those are, you know, Basically, as soon as we're full time, because obviously a part part time season, it's that's just a harder task, yep. you know, for any team. But like that's the goal, and and you know we just can't, you know we're not going to just be driving around the, the back of the grid for the sake of it because that's not the point. That's right. So wh when you say full time, that would mean every race and two drivers. Mm -hmm. And two cars? Eventually, yeah. I mean, if I could, I would extend. But the nice thing is, so we, we forged this technical alliance with Ed Carpenter Racing. Mm -hmm. And even if I were to do one car for the, like, let's say even for the next few years, because of the partnership, they've got two cars. We do one. We basically wind up being a three-car team. Mm -hmm. And it, it's mutually beneficial. So I that's see. good. And, and then if, it, and, I, and I've kind of, let, you know, already sort of had the conversation with Ed that if we grew to two two cars, I still would keep a technical partnership because m more information is better. 
right. it just it helps yeah so can i mean you, the relationship's working well so why why change it can you take us back to the moment that where you said you know what i i'm going to start an all female indie team <laughs> that's what you know, know what right? I, i've decided because i know a little bit about your history right weren't you in entertainment yeah, yeah. early on you wanted to be a writer i remember you well, telling yeah, me I this to be story a comedy writer. that's right I mean, we have to we have to tell that story like you've been my like you're like my travel <laughs> so you know and you didn't even know it um, yeah i mean i got a degree in television writing right. so obviously i'm using that to its fullest yeah it'd be really amazing if you got a degree in sports in uh, race team management i've thought about it <laughs> david letterman did it uh, I know, right? See? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not that strange. So, but what yeah, was speak, so speak what was that? What was that moment where you just said, "You know what? I'm going to pivot here to owning right. a, a female indie team." I know. So, I so in fairness, my my life never went the route of being a uh, <laughs> a television comedy writer, and I instead kind of fell into the world of business. Loved it. Um, in and because I've been a car fanatic since I'm five years old, eventually found my way like into automotive because it was just this other love. And through like my professional career, you know, the as, as I kind of progressed, I, and I was always a racing fan. Again, never like I never saw it as an op, uh, as an option for myself. Um, as I joke, I joke that I say that. I created this team for like five-year-old me or, or mm-hmm. you know, or 10-year-old me mm-hmm. because when people ask me, oh, you know, who's your role model? Like respectfully, there wasn't like a direct obvious, like no one had done this before. And I certainly didn't think it was something that I could have done. So a lot of the reason that got me here was just sort of like saying yes to opportunity that I couldn't ha- have even imagined. But with that said, I wound up working in the automotive business. And so um, after graduate school, worked for Volkswagen Group, then worked for Aston Martin, and then worked for Fiat Chrysler. But while I was at Fiat Chrysler, I was in charge of all of the motorsport programs, kind of the operations of them, the marketing of them, just like the nuts and like the nuts and bolts business mm-hmm. side. Love it. I love the business of racing, and because I, you know, that that's really where I, I learned it and and, um, and built teams from the ground up. Like we had the um, the Viper Sports Car Program. That was a clean sheet of paper program. So I was able to see how you build it. Um, oversaw NASCAR programs. It was just, you know, kind of, kind of saw a lot of, a lot of experience in a short amount of time had, was lucky enough that the teams were successful too. So I kind of saw Mm -hmm. what it was like to win, uh, which is really nice. Um, (laughs) And then somebody actually, a a guy that I know who manages drivers called me about something. And then it was one of those things like, Hey, while I have you on the phone, can I run this idea by you? And he was representing a, a woman driver and he said, what do you think about like, you know, I want to, you know, maybe see if I can put a deal together for her for the 500. Um, what do you think about having like a team of women, uh, you know, running the car? And he was asking my opinion as a woman in racing, like, do you think that's a crazy idea? And he <laughs> represented some drivers in Formula One. And it happened that the reason why he, so it's literally the idea was a man's idea, full fair play. And the craziest thing is why he got the germ of the idea was the weekend before he was at a he was at a, a Formula One race and he was in the garages and this one particular team, it was Force Indy at the time. Um, this is the guy this guy he represents uh, Sergio Perez. So he's you know he's there, you know, because Checo is his client, and he is in the Force India garage, and there happened to be two women engineers on the team at the time. And he had that moment of like a double take of like, oh my gosh, like let alone one, look, there's two. And they're like talking to each other. <laughs> and it was like seeing two unicorns. Yep. And he's like, oh my God, like two unicorns. And so he, and he's just kind of thinking out loud to himself and, and, and thought, okay, I, 
what if, because so the thing that's unique about the Indy 500 is you can do it as a one-off race. And so you'll see teams, like basically, and the way that you do that is if you have a driver, some money, basically a sponsor. So, you know, basically like you next year, let's say you want to be in the Indy 500, and let's say you have a racing license and you've got like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts behind you. You can be like, hey, I got all this Dunkin' Donuts cash mm-hmm. and you can effectively like, it's like you rent a rent a ride, you rent a car because a lot of teams have some extra people, they'll have an extra car. And that's how the Indy 500 is always 33 entries. But like, if you look at the regular season, we're now like maybe 25 entries. It used to be like 20, 22. Now we're up to about 25 full time. But how do you get from the 25 and leap up to 33? It's the people that run like one extra car. Mm-hmm. The way they run one extra car, they've got some extra people, they've got a car on the shelf. They dust it off. They say, and and that's how you kind of fill the grid. But the way that that's done is like a driver, some money, and you you, you strike a deal, and it's basically like we're just going to do this as a one-off. So because it's a one-off, that's why you often will see like a marketing hook where, where you have a sponsor that just wants to be in the 500. Mm-hmm. And so that's where his idea, that's where his wheels were turning. He's like, what if you did like a bunch of ladies on a team? So he's like, would that be ridiculous? And I said, well, no, because they'd have to be real there are women in racing. We're just scattered about was the kind of the point. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, sure. Like cool idea. But I admit that this is in 2014, by the way, this is in the fall of 2014. So he drops this idea. A couple of days later, we had to, we were, we were, um, we had planned to, to follow, to have another call because we were following up on the original reason why he called me, which by the way, he was actually, the NFL was going to be playing in London for like an exhibition game. And it was sponsored by Jeep. And uh, I work for FCA. So who's calling me for free tickets? If you actually <laughs> want to know the whole story, that's literally why he called me. Can you get me some tickets to this NFL game? So I was like, let me check it out. Like, can you give me a couple of days? Sure. Hey, while I have you on the phone, what do you think about a ladies team for the Indy 500? Would that be really lame? And I was like, nah, maybe, you know, whatever. So I hang up the phone. I check to see if I can get him tickets. I couldn't get him tickets. So a couple of days later, I call him. I'm like, yeah, I can't get you tickets. But in the meantime, I can't stop thinking about this idea about this lady team for the 500 you could really do a lot with this if you did it and i and i think you could like it's a cool idea but you should take the opportunity to like make something of it and i said you know here i'm working at the car companies and i know that they desperately need more engineering talent like this is a way that you could like use it as like a recruitment thing and like really like inspire people so you wanted to you wanted to do it and you weren't sure that he was going to let you take his idea (laughs) well, <laughs> or well, yeah, possibly you could do it to, you or you could do it yeah. together. No, I know this well, because because when I whenever yeah. I'm talking to another writer and the, I hear them say something, I go, "Hey, that thing you said." <laughs> are you? Right. Gonna, I usually go, "Are you going to do anything with it?" Because I yeah. think I might do something with that. Exactly. Like, are you married to this idea? Right. You know? And so, and he actually sort of then asked me like, because like, and I had a full time job, so it wasn't even on my radar that I could do it. It was like I just know that like you're just bouncing this idea off me. So I said, "Yeah, I think it's a great idea, but you should do a lot." And then he said, "He's like, would you help me? Like, could you oh, consult you with go. me on it?" Because he knew that I like I knew stuff operationally. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. So I do that. We get a couple months in, and I was like, "All right, this is bigger than this is bigger than we think it is. Like, we could really do a lot with this if we do it the right way." And then we were kind of off and running. And I'd say for the first year, he and I worked pretty closely on it. That's when I tried to make a run at running in the 2016 Indy 500 at the 11th hour. The equipment wasn't right. It just wasn't the right combination of things. So we pulled the plug on that. I take a year or two, and I re I just redo it. I, I start where that I. I start to think like, instead, you know, let me start with a smaller, like a lower level, um, like a, like a, 
sports car racing, smaller team, smaller budget, meaning like, let me like, and then let me work up to it. So that was that, that's the sort of funny thing is people say like, why would you start your team with the Indy 500? Great question. Uh, that sounds ridiculous. Sure enough, my, I had pivoted and I thought, let me start in sports car, like, L, like a prototype LMP3, go to Indy lights, and then I'll climb up to Indy car. I wind up talking to Roger Penske because Roger, in the meantime, bought IndyCar and mm-hmm. bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, I've known Roger for years. I've worked with him in different, like, you know, different guises, different hats. And they announced this interest in pushing for diversity. So I called him and I said, what does that mean? And he's like, let's talk. Because in fairness, I don't think they had a full idea of what it was going to mean. <laughs> and he knew I had been working on this. And so I said, hey, so what if I, like, do Indy Lights you know, what if I do sports car and then I do Indy lights and then I climb up into Indy car. And literally it was, when was this? It was like, you know, the, like the late summer of 2020 and Roger Penske goes, I want you, he goes, why don't you just do Indy car now? And I was like, wait, what? He there goes, go. let's work together. Yeah, let's do it. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's and fantastic. in fairness, Roger Penske had never partnered with anybody like on the team before. So like in, in that way. And when Roger Penske said, why don't we do it this way? You go, oh, okay. Let's yeah. That way. And there you go. Sure. Now you're in the Wall Street Journal. Now you're in uh, Auto yes. Weeks. You're one of Auto Week's secret people who will change the car secret world. Secret people. Forever. Uh, ESPN covering you guys. Before before we go, I was just looking at this story that, uh, I won't say my good buddy, but my casual friend, A.J. Bame, wrote about you, <laughs> who said, uh, and this was in the Wall Street Journal, just to, to qualify, everybody has these qualifying stories about when they mm-hmm. fell in love with cars. Uh, this line here says that you were working on your brother's uh, 1952 Ford F1 pickup truck as a toddler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as a toddler. Right, right, yeah. Do you want to cl- right. <laughs> yeah, started okay, working on her older brother's truck as a toddler. Right. What, what right, is right, that? Right, what yeah, explain- I'm on a creeper. I'm underneath. Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing yeah, no, as a literally. toddler? <laughs> right, yeah, I had no business. I, I like, love oh, this. Would have been like it, it completely incensed. And this is—is um, is this a picture of you with that same truck? <laughs> it is, but I'm not a toddler in the photo. <laughs> that's not you as a toddler. But no. it's, that's amazing. So your brother, much older, he's got this my truck. He's restoring it. Right. Yeah. So and my, w- my brother was my brother was a teenager working on it with my dad, and like the idea was, okay, he wants to. They, he wanted a project that they could restore it so that mm-hmm. when he turned 16 and got his license, oh, it would be fabulous! His. I love that yes. idea. Totally. And, and my dad was like, yeah, that's a great, you know, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah, so yes. they, it was a couple year project. Like he, they probably started it when he was like, like 14, right. like, you know, it's like the, you know, you know it's going to take a while. So yeah. So then. So that you means know, you're three. Yeah. So it's absolutely. So the crazy thing though is, and if anyone's ever restored a car, you know that it's like this all encompassing project yep. because you're dismantling it. There's parts everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fairness, like, again, because this is like a hobby, it's nights and weekends. So that's why it's taking so long and, and, and whatever. So the, the garage was like this hub of activity and, you know, I'd wander in, um, and, (laughs) and my, my dad and brother, like, instead of shooing me away as a toddler would give me like a part to clean. I mean, obviously like just little tiny mundane things, but, and what I've come to like appreciate is it, that's a deliberate thing to make somebody feel included and mm-hmm. welcome. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it wasn't like, this isn't for you. And, and it was very precious. And so like why it's extra poignant is my brother. So my brother had leukemia and he died uh, before the truck was finished. She died when he was 17. And um, 
my and the truck and like I said, the truck wasn't finished, and my father couldn't like he, for the longest time he couldn't even like touch it, right? Because mm -hmm. it just was like so emotional painful, to right? the point where like like we moved house and like brought all the truck parts to the new oh. house, and there's like you know there's you know axles, and we're like you know stepping over axles to get into, into the garage and such, and it was it sat for about ten years, and it wasn't until I went away to college that my mom kind of was like, hey, so what should we do with the truck? Like it's been sitting here for ten years, and my dad said, you know what? I'm gonna restore it. And so he effectively had to like start from scratch because it sat for that many years and he did. And it was like this, he was determined to finish it and he did. And um, so a few years, so, so then, you know, I, I go off to, I go off to college, I go off to grad school. Um, I wind up working in the car business. I work for Volkswagen group and then I'm working for Aston Martin. And, and while I'm working for Aston, I'm home like one weekend in Connecticut at my parents' house because I was living in Boston. And I had a Lotus Elise at the time as like my fun car that I actually stored at my parents' house. So I'm, I'm, that's the point is I'm washing the Lotus Elise. My dad's washing the truck. And he just kind of makes this offhanded comment like, hey, yeah, I think I'm going to, you know, I think I'm going to sell the truck. Because, you know, at this point, like, you know, it's like this extra vehicle. And, mm -hmm. and I said, well, you know, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, what are you and mom going to do with it? And I was like, well, if you're selling it, I'll buy it. And he looked at me. He's like, you'd want it? Like, completely surprised because we've never actually said any of this out loud right and he's like you'd want it and i'm like dad like my whole career like i work in the car business like i'm a car fanatic so what basically happened is after my brother died as a kid i then started reading car magazines because i saw that that was something that my dad shared with my brother and it was like my way of wanting to fill that missing piece for mm -hmm. my dad Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, this is something that you did with him. Okay, now you can do it with me. Amazing. And I own an IndyCar team because my dad and my brother, you know, said, hey, it's okay. This is for you too. Yeah, a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. And your brother's legacy, alive and well yeah. in you. And in a Absolutely. pickup truck. Amazing. In I love that truck, story. Right? Oh, that's the whole car business. That's what the whole car podcast is. It's it's this it's stories. It's not cars. It's the story. Someone might walk by that truck and not hear that beautiful story, but now exactly. when you see it, you're going to know that story. Beth, always a pleasure. Always Spike, a pleasure. We will see each other again. I'm sure in the car circuit or up in Pebble Absolutely. or wherever else we're going to see each other. And uh, best and of luck. Someday. Yes. I'm going to tell this story about how I didn't call you when I was 19, <laughs> when I was like 20. <laughs> but Someday. look at all the good that's come because of you not calling me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'd ha I wouldn't have this team if you I You wouldn't be you. making history. Automotive right. history. You're, uh, right. you're, you're, you're in your proper fate right now and destiny. Exactly. Beth, it's uh, nice chatting with you. Nice chatting with you too. See you soon. There you go. Beth, a much better interview than Johnny did on his show. That's that's true. We had her on the inevitable. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure yours is much better. <laughs> Why are you sure? Uh, I'm just sure. Can't I be sure? Let me be sure. Did she come in the studio? And yeah, show? yeah, she was great. Yeah. She, are you making more of those? Oh yeah, yeah. We've we've God, we've done like a bunch. Um, yeah, we're actually talking about uh, starting to get some of the original people back in. So we might get Reggie Watts texted us and like he's say he's like I want to come back. And we're like yeah, that'd be cool because he was our first guest. Oh wow, yeah. 
You were a third, I think, but Reggie was the That's first. pretty good. Yeah. No, it's fun being back there. Yeah. At, uh, Podcast One, seeing the whole crew. It's good. Yeah, we've we've been doing a bunch of them. We have, and we have a bunch more to go for this season, whatever that means. What so, do you, uh, you've got that new Aston Martin. Aston Martin DBX 707. Wow. Yeah. So it's, That's uh, the SUV. That's the crazy version of the SUV. Oh. So the 707 is the big motor, so it's 697 horsepower. I forget the torques, but it has many of them. Oh, Farah was just telling me I needed to drive this. Yeah. It's good. good yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why so is good. it so good? Because it's fast? Maybe it is this very is the fast. thing I want to take around turns on Sunset. Maybe oh, it's that's that. that's the thing. Yeah. That's 290 grand. But yeah, it's, it's fast. It's, uh, it's good. Press car, it's free. Yeah, well, we're comparing it to the Porsche uh, Cayenne Turbo GT. Ooh. Yeah. That's so, a great car. And does it compare? It does compare. It does compare. Isn't not, a Porsche going to be a little more comfortable? No. No. Isn't it going to feel a little more right than what Aston Martin has? Uh, normally 100%, except this time. So before he got fired, the old CEO, Tobias, uh, you know, I was talking to him. And what they benchmarked for this car was interesting. They benchmarked the Lamborghini Urus in terms of straight line performance. So they wanted mm-hmm. to be as quick as that in a straight line. And they benchmarked the Porsche for handling. And he feels they beat them both. We did a comparison. I'm, I can't reveal the results, but I'll say it was, it was much closer than most people would assume. Mm-hmm. And um, what it came down to was, because we're really having a hard time, we're like, well, yeah, it's the, the, you know, the, the Aston does this better? The Porsche does this better? But we said, okay, you own them both. You got them both in your driveway. You got to go somewhere. There's the keys. Which are you grabbing? And it was, it was, inter- it was an interesting like thought experiment. Like, oh, right. Yeah. So I think uh, I, know. I, I, I can't reveal it on the podcast right now, but I, I'll tell you off the air. Well, America yeah. will be waiting. Oh, with bated breath, right? <laughs> For Johnny to reveal which car he would drive. I will say the, the shame of it is what I really want to do is the Urus versus this. Because for, for me, the Urus is That's still, different. Now, that's a conversation I would be into having. Yeah, because as good as the, the Cayenne GT is, and I've driven it a lot. I'm going to pick the Porsche every time, but it's a different kind of driving. If I want my SUV drive to be a little special, I'm going to go Aston Martin. But th- toss in a Lamborghini, and now... Because I love that car. Urus is phenomenal. Phenomenal thing. The problem was right when we got the test together, they have stopped regular Urus production, and now it's the Urus Performante. So now it's like got more power, it's got more handling. Ooh. So that's coming soon, but it wasn't ready for this particular comparison test. So we'll, right. we'll visit that in the future. But Ooh. I still have a hard time believing any SUV is actually better than the Urus. Now, again, I'm doing it from memory. I haven't done them at the same time. Right. Um, but I would have really liked to see the Aston versus the Urus. I think that would have been, and they're about the same price. That's the other tricky part is the Porsche like Aston is about one ninety, right? And the Urus and the Aston are both about two ninety. So yeah, hmm. something like that. One, it it depends. Do I want to feel special? That's how you make that decision. Yeah, like, that's what it came down to. In a Cayenne, it's a terrific thing. You're going to put a lot of miles on it, but does it feel special like this other car does? That car looks tremendous. It's a great looking car. Yeah, it's a great. But do car. will I feel comfortable every day driving it? No, I won't. I no, won't you might. You might be surprised. You might be surprised. The Lamborghini, I would, but uh, you know, I always have to wait against the type of uh, guy or lady I see driving it where I live. Mm. And then sometimes I look out and see them and I go, I don't want to be like them. 
I don't sometimes. It's you know, a consideration. The car owning thing, psychology is endlessly fascinating and it's different every day. Yeah. You know, I say a lot, whenever we wake up, we're different people. Every single time we wake up, we have, we're different people. We have, and it, a very, lot of different factors. That's very uh, Ralph Lauren of you. But it's true. Yeah, hey. And, you know, some days you wake up, you feel really low self-esteem. Other days you feel uh, too confident, grandiosity, uh, arrogant. And, and, every, and you look at these vehicles and you make your choices kind of based on moods. You know, a lot of time I go to a 911 and it's like, I, I'm stressed. I, I want to chill. I want to go for a drive and it engages me. I did that yesterday, as a matter of fact. I, I, oh, uh, speedster. I was dry, well. I've got the the uh, the uh, touring GT3 touring sorted. Jerry bought the wheels. It had been sitting for a while. I drove it. There was this beautiful day where I came out of the gym. I had the day off, middle of the week, and I looked out in Santa Monica and I just saw the beautiful ocean. It was like a Tuesday, and I texted my wife. I go, "I'm going to I'm going to take you to lunch. Don't say no. You got to <laughs> see this day. Why we live in California? No tourist traffic." And I picked her up in the touring. Uh, she goes, what car is this? <laughs> so, oh, it's Zuckerman's. It's Zuckerman's. That's how it says plan Z. It's not yours. <laughs> and then she forgot she asked the question. But we tur- put the windows down, put the music on, and drove out to Malibu. And I was, uh, it finally clicked on the GT3 Touring. Oh, good. Drove it for two more days and then got really mad that Zuckerman has not really driven it yet. And I said, I- I'm putting this in your hangar uh, uh, Friday. And it's ready. It's filled with gas. Have your guy clean it. And please drive this. I think you're going to love it. And I'd hate for you, us to sell this car without you really driving it and enjoying it. So I'm hoping he's doing that right this minute. I, I kind of doubt that he is, but I hope he is. And then uh, when I was down there, I was going to you know, hitch a little scooter ride to my hangar and drive my old Volkswagen Beetle because I hadn't been in that for a while. And I saw his 991 Speedster there. And yes. I said, hey, why don't you let me take that for a day or two? And of course, Zuckerman very generously said, go ahead. Ugh. I hopped in, got oh. behind the wheel. The visor clip was unclipped. Do you know how a visor will come down and you can put it sideways to the yeah, driver's yeah, yeah. side window? It's not meant to do that, but somebody who had been driving that car had yanked it down oh. and was unable to put it back in. So I texted him and I said, would you like me to fix this for you? He had, of course, no awareness that this was wrong. And he said, do you know how to? I go, it's a YouTube video. I'll figure it out. And of course, there was a YouTube video on how to fix a 991 visor clip. Hilariously involved, by the way. Sure, you have to unscrew it oh, and put yeah, it together. Yeah, yeah. I had so much fun in the garage. I did it before and after photos to Zuckerman. He was like, whatever. <laughs> but I was so happy. Is that in the Carfax? And then I, I, I sent a text to my neighbor, Stacy, who's got a 991 Speedster. And I said, do you want to go to Bill's? Another beautiful day. Oh, I go. I have time for lunch. That was that was uh, Stacy. He's got uh, the deep sea blue car, gorgeous car, gorgeous. And we had open roads, Uh, and we were in a third gear cruise side by side with the engines in sync, going up and down. So I've done that. Magical. I've done. I did that with my buddy Jeff. Magical. But oh, but here's what I wanted to get to. This thing, and, and I and I I thought about not saying it. Because it seems like whatever we talk about on the podcast and get excited about, they start to go up like nuts. Like we were on Dino's not long ago, and now those things seem to be riding up. But whatever. Maybe that's just coincidence. I don't know. But the, the Porsche makes a car every once in a while 
that uh, and folks sometimes think I'm against manual gearboxes. I'm not, but where the manual gearbox works perfectly in balance with the rest of the car, the steering and the engine, so it feels right. The 991 Speedster is one of those cars. Yeah, it feels perfect. I am. You so know what? You know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. The I, balance. I that car is perfect. That uh, it's only in a couple of modern cars. It's in that. It's in the 911R, the new 911R. And I'm hoping it's going to be in the 911 ST that they're going to make. So the so the think about what you just said though, right? So the 911R was the very last of the 991.1 GT cars. In other words, they'd done the GT2 RS, they'd done all right. that, and then it was okay. We're going to do the, the R. I might actually the GT2 RS might have come after the R, but it was later in the development. The Speedster was the last of the 991.2 GTs. They'd done everything. It right. Was their final send off. And they just have more time to get it right. And like, I, I'm still amazed by how much I love that thing. It's you know, outstanding. It's, it it's literally, an outstanding, perfect yeah, car. Yeah. Perfect, modern, collectible Porsche. You know, ba- back to Angeles Crest, there's this one turn kind of towards the, I don't know, the middle, but it's like this nice second gear kind of alpine corner. And it's just a big, forever sweeping, slightly decreasing turn. And I've driven, you know, I don't know, uh, hundreds of cars around that. And I still remember doing it in the Speedster and it felt the best. And I'm like, only Porsche would do a convertible that feels better, uh, you know, the, the actual turning right. going fast than like the hard tops. Yeah. It's just a It delivers machine. everything you want. Yeah. In a it really car. is wonderful. With a manual gearbox. It's perfect. Yeah, manual only. Yeah. Well, yeah. rightfully so. They got it right. Yeah. Now, I, I don't think that way in the GT3. I, and, I think and it doesn't no, feel a, well, but I hear the Sport Classic is also going to be that way. But you know that's a unique engine, right? So that was weird. That was like... Isn't it GT3 engine? No, it's slightly different. They they did some final thing for some emissions thing they were worried about before they did the 992 GT engine. So it's 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 related to the your touring engine most closely, but it's a little different. There's just so, It makes like two extra horsepower. And but it's, it's the way it works. It's yeah. not so high strung, yeah. you know, and it makes that manual gearbox connect to it right. It's just, they, and I, like I was telling you, you know, what I love about that car, it hit me, was that car is still a lot of fun at 35 miles an hour. Yeah. Like if you're in a GT3 at 35 miles an hour, you're, you're choking yourself to death yeah. because you're so bored because yeah. the car makes no sense. Yeah. This thing, I was with my buddy Jeff. I had a press car. He had his Speedster. The oak green one, right? Yeah, that beautiful one. And we're ripping through Malibu. And we get stuck behind, like, I'm not kidding, a truck with, like, a sewer pipe, this giant pipe. And it it's going 30 miles an hour. And normally, again, you'd be like, um, our day's ruined. And I'm like, wow, Malibu is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you can like, slow down on it. it. Yeah, and it's like, this car's great. You know, yeah, I'm no, so happy. it's the best. It's yeah, the it best. It really is a wonderful it's car. Really depressing. I kind of hate Zuckerman it. for having it, actually. No. <laughs> I think hate. he had the R, and I think he had that, and he said, I got to sell one. And, uh, you know, it was, I, I didn't really have a recommendation for him. I said, you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to end up losing something, and you're still winning because both cars are spectacular. But I think. Very different. But cars. I like, I would pick the convertible just because I love the sound of the 991 Speedster. And it's not so loud, but without the top, it, it's just 
It was that sublime driving experience that I love I had yesterday. I was so happy. Yeah. So, so yep. happy. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, the R is, is wonderful. But you can get kind of close to the R with, like, the, the 991.2 GT3 manual. It's kind of close. It's not the same. Yeah, but it's not the same. It's kind of close. It's close. But there's but nothing not the like that Speedster. That's a unique yeah. vehicle. There's no other topless GT car. When are they going to announce this 911 ST? Don't know. I mean, I'll t- 2023. And it might be at the the the, the very last show they make in Qatar. <laughs> and what are they going to call the new 911? Or is it going to be a 992.2? Probably do a 994. Oh, there will be a point two. There's definitely going to be a point two. Yeah, yeah. That that'll they will have four years of that. They're not even like you know. There's a lot coming. Wow. But there will be like you know 994, 995, 998, 999. You know we've got we've got to, we'll be dead before they run out of. Yes, I was just going to say yeah. what 911 variant do you think Zuckerman will die on? <laughs> I would say 992.2. I'm going to die in my speedster. <laughs> I'm going to die in a three five six. He and I uh, last week were podcasting with Jerry down at the hangar in Santa Monica, and then we left in the middle of the night. He had no running lights in the back. He was jump jammed into that uh, like Magilla Gorilla, jammed into the back <laughs> into the driver's seat of the E Type that he had. Oh yeah, kind of like this <laughs> stuffed into it. And I was like, "That is quite a sight, Zuckerman. That is quite a sight. Please be careful. How, you know, his how- whole body is up above the door. You know, if he right. gets hit, he's just going to go flying." And he's been hit before in these old things twice now, twice. He's how's that? E, how's the E Type doing? It's gorgeous. Yeah, I haven't driven it, but it's it's a beautiful thing to look at. The oh bis- yeah. the biscuit interiors has got us all kind of nuts. Uh, he's really going. He's really moving into some weird stuff, which is fun to. I watch. love that Mercedes he got. That's wild. Yeah, he wants me to jump in on that. Yeah, I, I was going to go look at it today, but it got too hot. Um, it is gorgeous. Um, it's like a two twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spectacular. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yep. yep. We saw when we were in London before Goodwood, we had a day and we went to this like private car collection. Um, fantastic, actually. But they had a D type. And I mean Spike, they had a D type. Yeah. Those. We're like, what's what's this one selling for? Oh, six and a half. <laughs> it's like, oh, and I sent a picture to Zuckerman and he was just like if I sold everything I had, you know, like, I could get that. Yeah, he really yeah. liked it. It's, it's just, like, they are the best-looking cars. Those they are, cars. but, you know. It's an old car. That's, like, an old car. I have a, I, you know, I try to set aside the money part. I've driven a lot of stuff, thanks to friends of mine who have let me driv- drive pretty much everything except for GTO, I think, at this point. And, uh you know, while I do love a 550, you won't drive it more than once or twice a year, you know, and I love driving too much to do that to myself. Not that I could afford one right now. Just because it's impractical or just because it's like, oh, it's a $6 million thing. It's not as good as a 356. You know, I'm all about that driving experience the car delivers. And if it's too primitive, it's cool. Yeah, but it's not something you're going to want to get in and go buy milk down at the Gelson. And there you know is, I mean? you know, and there's something to be said for that. You and, know? and there is a major difference between fifties and sixties cars. Yeah, you know, even even three five sixes, like right. you get in a later one, like a C or whatever, versus an A. But you and, can, if you can get behind the wheel of one of these things once or twice in your life, that's it. That's the experience. Other than the bragging rights, which I don't think many people care about. I, I you know, would, I would love to drive a five fifty. That's just one of those cars in my in my head. So it has elevated. to be set up, unless you're going to be on a racetrack, it yeah. has to be set up for the road. 
And and what that means is if it's not, and I again I will admit I have limited experience. I've driven three or four of them, maybe. Oh, you have! Wow. On the road, out to bills. Yeah. The, they have. Uh, they tend to either want to accelerate or decelerate. Right. So you're talking about right. being behind a uh, High sewage truck. Yeah. yeah. Right. Think of what I'm saying. You can oh. either be accelerating or de- decelerating. So you're misery. But you're not coasting. You're not yeah. driving at 35 in a stable way. It's a race car. It wants to be really run right up to red line, shift the gear, run up again, or slow down. Right. So you can set them up. And and I, I think the car, I drove that car after it was set up for the road. And it was a little better. But still, it's it's a little nerve-wracking. There's not much car. <laughs> no, much. that I don't mind because okay. I ride motorcycles. I don't, right. I don't okay. mind the exposure. What I, what you're thinking is, geez, I hope this is going to keep running, you know? Sure. And yeah. the, nat, it's, the its natural sort of essence is race car, and it I want to – you feel like you want to be on the track more with it rather than domesticating it on a street. Right. Does that make sense? Which sometimes doesn't add up to a fun drive. Have you driven Jerry's? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, that was at Luft. A few of them, yeah. That was at the way well, he had the one. I don't know which one it was, but there, he had one that was at the last Luft on the on the studio back lot. And um, he it, had the nine thirty four last time. No, no, was, didn't he have a second one? That wasn't a his five fifty spider that was in the. It was like in a in a maybe in a yeah. hanger, not a hanger, but it was in a it was in a, a soundstage. Yeah. Um, I it was I was just drooling looking at. We it. have just, a day. Which I don't know if we did it this year. We may not have because we were working. It's called Drive Jerry Shit Day. It's, oh, a, it's yeah, an invite April. me to that, please. And uh, we tell him, we inform him it's Drive Jerry Shit Day. And he says, all right, where do we go? <laughs> we just go down and we pick out anything. And we drive in the name of uh, us not being on this planet much longer. <laughs> right. Let's do it. Right. Let's use these things. And Jerry generously uh, says, go ahead, whatever you uh. want. Whatever you want. Uh, I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to get him to say, let's drive the 9083 on, on the road. Oh, yeah. Let's drive some of these race cars. And uh, Zwart he's there. was doing that. He had the fiberglass day yeah. up in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Cam uh, Ingram was out there with oh, all yeah. his toys. And, yes. Oh, uh, it looked awesome. Yes. Also, at, at Good Vibes on yesterday, there was uh, somebody brought a black uh, Carrera GT. And it was it was just like. Unbelievable to look at that thing and this Most people leave. need to be careful at good vibes. They yeah. need to be careful. Yeah, but it was, you know, there was it was typical good vibes. There was a RAV4 and there was a Carrera GT. First gen RAV4. Just want them to drive safely, that's all. Yeah, yeah you know. Get together, drive safely. Most people do. Yep. All right. All right. Now you bum me out again. I bummed you out. Well, that's our show, Johnny. We All just right. gave the folks uh, an hour of you and me together, plus right. uh, another 30 of Beth. Um, Too much. Who was terrific. Not enough is what they generally say. I know, but you got to leave them wanting more, right? Do we? I don't know. Isn't that the secret? I don't think so. Oh. I've made no progress on setting up uh, our video studio yet. <laughs> but is that, That's public knowledge now. What? That we're going to do a video. Where is, is If I get around to doing it, I'm trying to find someone to build it, and I've got to get all my furniture out of the offices. And I know a guy. I know a guy. All right. We'll talk off the air. Yeah. Um, that's our show. Uh, who knows what we'll have for you next week. Um, and if you're coming to town for Loof, look for us. We might, and hopefully will, I think, I'm about 90% sure, You'll see us there doing a live show, and it will be it will be free. You don't have to sign up. You can just walk in and come and hang with us and be part of 
the Spikes Car Radio Loof Cult episode. Could be fun. Could be fun. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.